Pastor Trent Griffith reminds us of this. Being a true disciple of Jesus comes at a cost. Followers of Christ know following Christ is hard, but it's not near as hard as not following Christ. It's worth it. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Well, I'm no farmer, but they say there's a difference between how you get a horse to go where you want it to and how you get a cow where it needs to be. Generally, it won't work very well to stand behind a horse and poke it in its back legs. You might get a mouthful of horseshoe, but that is the way to get cattle to move. Phil, can you cue up the rawhide theme? Move them on, hit them up, hit them up, move them on, move them on, hit them up, rawhide. You drive cattle, but you lead horses. So you and I need to ask ourselves this. When it comes to my relationship to God, am I more like an unruly steer that has to be driven to where it needs to be? Or a well-trained horse that will follow where it's led? Think about that as you listen to Pastor Trent in the series, Who Does Jesus Say I Am? Let me invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9 as we continue to march verse by verse through this gospel of Luke. And I want to give you a warning up front. The message that I'm about to preach to you is one that no preacher in his right mind would preach if his goal was to increase the attendance in his church. If I do my job right, you do your job right, I am running the risk that we will have less people in church next week than we do this week. During the Second Great Awakening in American history, there was a preacher named Peter Cartwright. He was a circuit preacher. He was an itinerant revivalist. He would go into a church. He was known for being very bold and unapologetic in his preaching. One day, President Andrew Jackson found his way into a church where Peter Cartwright was about to preach. The elders of the church went to Peter and said, Peter, the president is here. Do not say anything offensive. He approached the pulpit, and the first words out of his mouth was this. I understand that President Andrew Jackson is here. Somebody asked me to guard my comments. Well, Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he does not repent. After the service, the president approached Peter Cartwright and made this statement. He said, sir, if I had a regiment of men like you, I could whip the world. I am going to run the risk of telling you, if you do not follow Christ and repent of your sins, you will spend an eternity in hell. Our church has never determined its health based on the number of people we could cram in a room. The health of our church is determined by the number of people who are following Christ. The purpose of our church is to glorify God by making Christ 
followers. We call them disciples. As we walk through the Gospel of Luke, we're introduced to these 12 disciples that are literally following in the footsteps of Jesus. As Jesus was roaming around ancient Israel, he was going from village to village, and a couple of weeks ago we saw that he set his face on Jerusalem, which means he is beginning a journey from the northern part of Israel to the southern part of Israel, and what he is going to face in Jerusalem is a cross. And he is inviting disciples to follow him to the cross. Now, Jesus went to the cross, he was resurrected, he was raised, and he ascended to to the right hand of God the Father, where he sits this morning. But today, he is still calling people to follow him. This is a gathering of the followers of Jesus Christ. We spent our week getting bloodied and beat up out there in the world because the world is not following Christ, and so we are headed in the opposite direction. We face opposition. We assemble together here this morning to be reminded of who Christ is, who he's called me to be, and then to appropriately put faith in him and to repent of sin so that I can head back out here into the world and continue to follow him on the journey toward the cross and ultimately to heaven. The purpose of the church is not to make Christ look more appealing. The purpose of the church is not to remove obstacles and barriers so you can get a greater number of people to follow Christ. As a matter of fact, some of the biggest churches in the world are big because they are neglecting to tell people the cost of following Christ. This morning, we're gonna learn about the cost of following Christ. The purpose of the church is to present Jesus as so supremely valuable that you would pay any price to follow him. That's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church and the purpose of this message is to invite you to follow Christ. I'm going to lay the cards on the table here this morning at the beginning of the message. At the conclusion of this message, I am going to invite you to follow Christ. Now, some of you would say, I am a follower of Christ. I've been following him for years. I became a follower of Christ as a 15-year-old teenager. I realized I'd been following myself, my own appetites. Life's not going great. No fulfillment, no purpose. I was confronted with the message of Christ. I turned from that, and I began to follow Christ at the age of 15. But you know what? I got up this morning... And I heard the Holy Spirit inviting me to follow Christ. And he's doing the same thing for every follower of Christ here this morning. But there are some others of you that have never fully and finally made the decision to become a follower of Christ. And today I'm going to invite you to make that decision, make that choice. Are you a follower of Christ? I'm going to literally ask you to leave the seat where you are. 
and to put the right leg in front of the left leg and the left leg in front of the right leg and make your way into one of these aisles to come to a pastor or an elder, an elder's wife, and to say, today I'm becoming a follower of Christ. We'll schedule your baptism. And that's the way that we go public as a follower of Christ. And some of you have been contemplating that. Some of you have kind of taken some steps toward Christ, but you, you've learned about him and maybe he's not the person you thought he was and he seems appealing, but you haven't yet fully and finally turned your back on whatever else you were following and made the decision to become a follower of Christ. And some of you don't understand the purpose of every service. The purpose of this message is to attempt to convince you that what you are following is deadly and the only life that you can have that is eternal and fulfilling is one of following Christ. The purpose of every message is to warn you that ignoring the invitation to come to Christ is actually far more costly than actually surrendering to follow him. So we're going to meet three would-be disciples of Christ, three would-be followers of Christ, and we're going to discover why they actually could not follow Christ. So if you have a Bible, we're going to look in Luke chapter 9. Let's begin in verse 57. As they were going along the road, see we have traveling, Jesus is traveling, he's going to Jerusalem. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow now that's a great day when somebody says they will follow Jesus. There is nothing I would rather hear on a Sunday than to somebody come walk down that aisle and say, I will follow Jesus. But notice it gets even better. I will follow you wherever you go. Now as a pastor, I can think of some really great places I could put some followers of Christ. Over here in the children's ministry, there's places to hold babies. And there's, there's over here in children's ministries where to, to teach children the Bible and in youth ministry to, to be a mentor, transformation ministry. You could go downtown and become a mentor. I mean, we could send you to Liberia. We could send you to Hungary to be a church planter. Somebody that says, I will follow you wherever you go. I'm like, sign that person up for the parking lot ministry for crying out loud. They'll go into the parking lot. And this is a great day, you would think. But then notice how Jesus responds. Verse 58, Jesus said to him, foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, is a title Jesus used for himself, has nowhere to lay his head. We're going to meet these three would-be disciples, these three would-be followers of Christ. I've given each of them a label, a name. The first one I'm going to call the enthusiast. You know what an enthusiast is, right? An enthusiast is, is a guy that's got a hobby. Some of you are fishing enthusiasts. Some of you are European soccer enthusiasts. I don't understand you. But you are somehow, you, you, you are into that thing, kind of thing. An enthusiast is somebody that kind of tacks on something to his life. If he's got a little extra time, if he's got a little extra money, he'll spend it doing that. But he's not going to be like sold out to that. It's not the center of his life. And some people treat Jesus like that. Some people treat Jesus like he's a hobby. Some people treat 
church like it's an add-on. If I got extra time and extra money, then it can go there. But it's not the center. And the guy that we just met is an enthusiast. Jesus identifies something in his life that prevents him from actually becoming a follower of Christ, even though he volunteered for the assignment. This guy has an idealistic view of what it means to be a follower of Christ. I mean, he's probably noticed the power that Jesus has. He's got power to heal. Well, sometimes I get sick. It would be great to have a relationship with a guy who has power to heal. He seems to have a lot to say about wealth and finances. Maybe some of you have noticed, like, some, these, I know some followers of Jesus, and they seem to be doing quite well financially. Maybe if I become an enthusiast of Jesus, I will do better financially. Um, maybe he thought um, he needed a leadership consultant. Jesus had a lot to say about leadership, and a lot to say about fellowship, too. Maybe he thought he needed a life coach, and he could give him some advice. And what he wanted was an idealistic understanding of Jesus. He didn't understand the cost of discipleship. He was impulsive. Maybe he had an emotional response to something Jesus said or a story that was told. And maybe he cried a few tears and says, I, I want to do that, but did not know the cost of his decision. The enthusiast must surrender his expectations of a comfortable life. Jesus says foxes have holes. That's a place of security and safety and comfort for a fox. Birds have nests. That's a place of security, safety, and comfort for a bird. And Jesus said, if you're coming to me and thinking you're going to get safety, security, and comfort, you have an idealistic understanding of what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to follow Christ? Good question. We can't literally physically walk in the footsteps of Jesus because Jesus' feet are in heaven, kicked up on a throne, running the universe perfectly, by the way. And so how do you follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It means this. First of all, I've heard and responded to the call of Christ to follow him. You know, there's something missing from this first guy. He volunteered to follow. Jesus didn't initiate the conversation. I'm asking you, has Jesus initiated a conversation personally with you where under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you have heard the call of Jesus Follow me. I'm not talking about an audible voice. It is a Holy Spirit call. It's a spiritual call to respond in faith and repentance to follow Christ. Have you heard that? You say, yes, I have. When have you heard that? There is a decisive moment when Jesus calls in a way that you cannot ignore or deny and you respond in faith. That is the moment of conversion. We call it being born again. We call it being justified in that act 
act of conversion, faith and repentance in response to the call of Jesus. Have you heard it? I've prayed all morning that you would hear Jesus calling you. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Whether it's the first time or whether it's every day, have you heard the voice of Jesus calling you to follow him? Secondly, you would say, I have joyfully detached myself from others I was following. Everybody's following somebody or something. It may be a, a philosophy of life. It may be a religious system. It may be a, a moral code. It may be following a desire or a passion to achieve greatness or riches. And the call to follow Jesus is to turn your back on the things that you were following and follow Christ have you detached yourself from others that you're following? Are you a follower of Christ? It would say it would mean you would say I am a I am courageously taking new steps daily in the direction of Christ. That means that he steers where I go. He determines where my money goes. He determines what gets on my calendar. He determines the things that I invest my time and my finances in. To be a follower of Christ means that you can say, I am close enough to hear and be directed by his words. I got a big family when my family were, when my children were little, we'd pile out of the minivan and we would start the journey wherever we were going, whether it was to the mall or to the amusement park or, or whatever. And sometimes I would get to where we were going, I would turn around and I'd lost a child. And I'm like, okay, there was a child that wasn't following close enough to actually hear my voice and be directed. My question to you is, does your life give evidence that it's being directed by Jesus? If not, you should determine whether or not you've actually become a follower of Christ at all. If you've gotten off the path, it's time to come back and follow in the steps of Jesus. To be a follower of Christ means that you can say, I have counted the cost of following Christ and found it to be worth it. Followers of Christ know following Christ is hard, but it's not near as hard as not following Christ. It's worth it. Are you a follower of Christ? Or are you just an enthusiast? You just kind of like the excitement. It's cool music and there's fun people. And the, these people are nicer than the people out there in the world. I just kind of want to be a part, kind of on the fringes, on the side. Listen, Christ is calling you to become a follower of his, not just an enthusiast. Secondly, there's a guy in the story that we'll call the analyst. The story picks up here in verse 59. To another, he said, follow me. So Jesus takes the initiative this time. Here's the invitation, follow me. And I hope you're hearing Jesus call you right now with those same words, follow me, follow me, follow me. And so one guy hears his voice, but he said, Lord, I don't know what his understanding of the word Lord is, but it's not Jesus' understanding of the word Lord because the next words were, let me first. Do you understand that somebody that calls Jesus Lord has given up the right ever to say again these words? Me first. This guy says, let me first 
go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. We call this guy the analyst because he is calculating. He is loyal to his family. He's loyal to his father. How many of you would think that that would be a, a good quality to have, to be loyal to your father? All the fathers in the room should have their hands in the air right now. My children should be loyal to me. They should take care of me, and when I am dead, they should bury me, right? That's what you want from a good son. A good son is loyal to his father. So we would look at this and like, well, what's the problem here? I will never forget February the 19th, 2007. I was with my family in Charlotte, North Carolina. Our family had gone there to lead a life action revival conference at a local church. It was the second day of that conference. It was a Monday morning. I got a call from my mother in Lawton, Oklahoma. And she simply said to me, your father is dead. 66 years old. He went to bed one night. He didn't wake up the next day. You say, that's so sad. It was incredibly sad, but he's having a great day today. He knew the Lord. He's in heaven. He's cheering us on, and he wants you to become a follower so you can meet him one day. It was a bad day. We packed up the trailer that we lived in. I had to leave the ministry opportunity we had in that church, and we traveled 26 hours straight to get to Lawton, Oklahoma, where a couple of days after that, I buried my father. I preached the funeral. I think I did the right thing. I think in doing that, I was following Jesus, being a good son. I think it was right for me to bury my father. So why did Jesus say to this guy, leave the dead to bury the dead? You know why it was the right thing for me to go bury my father? Because my father was actually dead. This guy's father wasn't dead yet. What this guy is saying is, I, Jesus, excuse me, I would like to be a follower of you, but I need to wait because my father's not a fan of yours. He wouldn't approve of me following you. But when he's dead and I get him in the ground, then all of the conditions are right for me to follow you because then I will not be opposed to in, by my father in following you. And not only that, when dad dies, I'm getting a big inheritance. I'll be more financially secure and set up. And then the conditions will be perfect for me to follow you. That's what the analyst says. He calculates and he's looking for perfect conditions. He's, he's a procrastinator. Listen, the timing will never be right for you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. The conditions will never get better. There will not be a more convenient opportunity to, for you to become a follower of Christ. By the way, and you'll never find the perfect church. You know, like when I find the perfect church with a paved parking lot and valet service, that's the one. And then I will follow Christ. Yeah, that's not coming anytime soon. So the question is, when are you going to follow Christ? 
When are you going to stop offering excuses for when the conditions would be more perfect for you to become a follower of Christ? The cost is always going to seem too high. The time is never going to seem like it's right. And the longer you delay, the harder it will get to make the choice. Trent Griffith has been talking about two of the three would-be followers of Jesus found in Luke chapter 9. He'll tell about the third kind of false disciple next week right here on Resonate. In contrast, though, here's vertical worship singing about following Jesus when things are going well and when it's hard. When the sea is calm and all is right When I feel your favor flood my life A true disciple counts the cost of following Jesus and says, yes, it's hard, but it's so worth it. That's Vertical Worship and I Will Follow from their album, The Rock Won't Move. Before that, we heard Pastor Trent Griffith from Gospel City Church. As he mentioned today, Gospel City is not a church that is trying to grow numerically in any way it possibly can. Instead, We're a church dedicated to glorifying God by making real Christ followers. 
Well, if you'd like to find out more about Gospel City Church, start on our website, mygospelcity.org. You can read about something we call our four pillars right there. And there's information about how you can worship with us either in person or online. Again, all that and a lot more can be found right on our website, mygospelcity.org. And why not follow us on Facebook for more great content when you search for Gospel City Church. Well, today we heard about two sorts of would-be disciples, the enthusiast who considers Jesus just a nice add-on and the analyst who keeps procrastinating and wants to follow Jesus once all the circumstances line up just right. Next week, Pastor Trent continues with another false follower contrasted with the true disciple. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's word would resonate as you follow Jesus this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.